Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Greetings, everyone. This is our podcast, Script Shop. My name is Jack, and there's an... I'm not 100% sure that I put deodorant on today. Ooh, my name's Allison. I am 100% sure that I put deodorant on because mm-hmm. I didn't for most of the day, and I kept being like, gosh, I still just smell like my workout, but it wasn't that I had showered. I just still... My my, <laughs> my you, pits were smelling. But you applied before we started doing the yes, show. Yes, before oh, I went nice. out to that meeting with you and Brant, mm-hmm. and then we came here... That's when I was like, oh, I need to I need to do something. Well, today. I'm, I'm glad that you're more hygienically thoughtful, apparently, than I am. I'm just hygienically forgetful, apparently. Yeah, because maybe you put it on. Maybe you didn't. Yeah, I can't be sure. I was I was off work today, so my whole yes, schedule was... everything. It's your off day. It was, so I kind of didn't care. Did you go swimming? No. I would do that on my off day if I could. I don't have a... Where? <laughs> <laughs> the YMCA? What else would you love it's to do it's on It's October your when we're taping this, and it's going to be... Well, you mean like inside pools. Well, yeah, people... They swim year-round yeah, in high school places. I just, that, 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 that was a curveball did, question. Did you do your laundry? I did do some laundry Congratulations. today. Thank you very That's much. That's pretty good. Did you eat a hamburger? No, but I ate... Of this really good stuffed chicken that I made that's got like oh, man. avocado and artichoke Ugh. and basil stuffed into it. It was really good. Can I'm really happy Can we do a segment where you talk about your favorite recipes and how sure. things went? Oh, that, I would love that. So Listeners, this is our- <laughs> yeah, tweet at us if you want to hear Jack's segment on cooking. But in addition to that, we also talk about screenplays and oh, screenwriters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what we imagine do. Imagine that. <laughs> and why we have them on the show and what we love about them and why they're the only person in the history of all time who have, could have possibly have written the script that they wrote for today's show. It's a ton of fun. We've been doing it for a little over a year now. Yes. Uh, yeah. Friendship made here in the studio. Me, you, Frank. Who's not here right now. Three best friends that anyone could have. And uh, our new best friend this week is Mercedes Bingham, who wrote a script called The Back Room. It's an 11-page addiction flick with drastic consequences. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Like, in a lot of different ways. We didn't, you know, oftentimes we will have, like, very casual conversations about a given script before we actually start doing the show. Yeah. But we haven't really talked about this casually at all. At all. No. And it's drastically consequential. What did you, how, what did you, how did you frame that just now? Addiction? 11-page addiction flick with drastic consequences. That's, yeah, that's that's for sure. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you have a, a script with drastic consequences, we definitely want to read it. So send it to us so that we can read it. If you hashtag it hot burrito on uh, any kind of social media, we'll mm-hmm. put you right at the front of the, of the reading line. I was going to say listening line, but we don't listen to these things. We have to actually sit down and read them. Yeah, we read them. Um, so you can submit them to us on filmfreeway.com using Script Shop, or you can go to scriptshopshow.com slash submit to submit there. And uh, we're also available on other forms of internet communication. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We are on Instagram. Uh, there is Script Shop Show. You search that on any of those, and you can uh, find us and interact with us and say, hey, we really like that show, or hey, tell us more about this guest, and that's an option. Tell me what you ate last night for dinner, Jack. Right. Or did you put deodorant on today? What? How was the avocado in your stuffed chicken? It was very good. Yeah, what? I love avocado. Yeah, I do too. And it I'm, came up. I'm an avocado holic. Like, and when 
the avocado trend happened, I was like, bullshit. <laughs> I've always loved avocado. Don't make it weird. It's very fun to say avocado-holic. Avocado. Lo- I was trying to get rid of the D-O and just mash avocado-holic, but uh, it doesn't really work. Avocolic? No, it doesn't work. Sometimes is baby olive maybe a little <laughs> avocolicky? <laughs> Uh, if you also want to find us individually, uh, I'm not on Facebook, but I am on Twitter at Script Shop Jack. And I'm at Your Bestie Westy. You can find me there. Uh, the other thing you could do in terms of finding us and funding us, if that is uh, the way you are so inclined, we are also on Patreon. Give us your money. You can, uh, if you if you like the show, we, we do it. Uh, we're just doing it. And yeah. if you want to support what we're doing in a financial way, uh, we would be extremely appreciative of that. Uh, Patreon, just search Script Shop Show and you should be able to find us. Mm-hmm. Great. This is the part where we usually check in with Frank to make sure that so we've done all else. the things that we've supposed to do. Frank is on vacation. Yeah. Yeah. So if you know Frank, you know that this is a good thing. Frank, who works like six days a week, every week of the year. Yeah. Like seven, I would say. Seven and probably, a half. I would say he works seven and a half days yeah, a week. That's, yeah. That's fine. And I would say minimum 10 hours because he's just an efficient guy. He's constantly trying to cram stuff into yeah. his day. So the fact that he's on vacation now is regrettable, but it's okay. Well, we miss him. You know, we you said it before. It's a Frankless yeah. job. We have a Frankless job today. Yep. Yeah. And we're just going to have to deal with it. So we are lucky enough to have uh, Mercedes Bigham, who wrote the script, The Back Room, in with us today. And we should probably talk to her. Right? Let's do it. Let's talk to uh, Mercedes. Mercedes, hi, are you there? Hi, I'm here. Yay. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Um, it's my understanding that there are also three beings in the room with you. What are the names of these dogs <laughs> with your interview here today? Uh, I have Merlin, Mojo, and Minnie. Yeah. Oh, those are so good. Is Mojo the real ornery one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's I knew the it. Boss. Mojo. He's the boss. Of course he's the boss. He's His name is Mojo. He's also a tiny He's the little boss. So you're there with, yeah. with your three dogs, and uh, where where is where you're at? Uh, I'm in Newcastle, Oklahoma, which is my hometown. Oh, I love hometowns. I love them. <laughs> just I in just, general? I should just get that tattooed somewhere. I love hometowns. I love hometowns. With little, like, hearts coming out of it. Well, do, is is where she's at in Oklahoma remotely close to where you I, were from in Texas? No, I don't think so, because I don't know anything about it. So tell us about Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, It's just about 10 minutes outside Oklahoma City to the south, so we're pretty much a suburb that quickly turns into farmland. Mm, so there's not much around. You said you've been living there your whole life? Uh, except for the two years that I went to grad school in Boston, I have been here my whole life, yes. Cool. What took you to Boston for grad school? Why did you move so far away? Uh, just felt the call to get away and experience life outside of this tiny state. Mm-hmm. What did you go to grad school for? Screenwriting. Okay. Cool. What did you think of it while you were there just out of curiosity? Boston. Oh, I thought it was great. I love living in the city. Mm-hmm. How was I'm probably going to move pretty soon. <laughs> how was the program? Did, I mean, you feel like you got a lot out of it. I mean, you're writing, so that's got to be something, right? Oh, yeah. I wrote so much in two years. Even though I felt like I was so busy, I was always working on a script. So I've got a lot of material from that. So have you have you always been, uh, has writing always been your thing, uh, specifically scripts? Or how is it that you got into writing screenplays? Uh, well, the full story is that I started writing short stories and novels in middle school and I got into movies in high school and I went to film school for college 
and figured out that I don't really like being in front of the camera Mm -hmm. or anything like that, but I love to tell stories. So I switched gears to screenwriting. It was always kind of your wheelhouse, though, if you were exploring storytelling through words. It just kind of took a little bit more experience to focus in on it, I guess. Mm -hmm, Yeah. Mm, What was the very first project that you ever wrote as a screenplay? Uh, A terrible vampire short story. Yes. Tell us everything. (laughs) Oh, it was so bad. It was basically just like interview with a vampire squeezed into (laughs) short form. That's awesome. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Well, do you write like uh, scary stuff usually then? Uh, Yeah, I mostly lean towards writing thrillers and horror movies. Uh, And I find myself writing dramas like The Back Room as Mm -hmm. like an escape from those. Mm. Mm, that's really interesting. Go ahead, Jack. I, well, see ju- it. the idea of the back room as an escape. I mean, once we get into the the meat of this story, certainly the main character in this is somewhat dealing with issues of wanting to escape. Um, in, in terms of like themes, so if you do a lot of horror stuff, are there are there certain like themes and elements that you like to bring up? Is it more about wanting just to t- tell a scary story? Are there are do you like to maybe weave issues into your writing? Are, are there certain things that you've noticed about your work over the years like that? Yeah, I had a lot of issues as a child, so I kind of grew up uh, having a lot of fear, a lot of anxieties. And those have manifested in my writing through horror stories. So, like, causing my characters anxiety is kind of a release for me. Mm -hmm. Because you can control it at that point, you think? Yeah, exactly. I've been researching a lot of the way that horror um, helps people cope with their anxieties and with their issues because it's, it's not real. So they can watch it and understand that this is not real and then they can work it into their heads. Um you know, in a way that separates them from their own fear. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Are there certain, like, metaphors that are your, you know, like, so uh, vampires, anything Dracula, that's, the, to a certain extent, that involves fear of immigrants and xenophobia. If you talk about The Babadook, that's a movie about uh, grief. Uh, it Follows is a movie basically where a sexually transmitted disease is the monster. Are there certain metaphors in your horror writing that, that you work into, whatever the monster or the threat is? Yeah, a lot of mine are about uh, family and how they're monsters in your own family, um, whether they be like sexual predators, uh, your husband, your wife, who you don't really seem to know, um, or like the fear of childbearing, like, I love uh, the movie Rosemary's Baby, mm-hmm. and that's a, a lot about the fear of having children and how will they grow up and how is this totally new process going to work out. And there's a lot of that kind of stuff in my writing. Do you mind if I ask what your relationship is with your parents? Uh, Yeah, so my relationship with my parents now is pretty good. But growing up, my father's an alcoholic, so or he was an alcoholic, so that is where that influence comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then it, it makes a lot of sense when you step back and look at my writing. You can really see like what my what my life has been like. It's really really strange to mm-hmm. me. Were you an only child? No, I have two younger siblings. So you were the one. I mean, you were the oldest. So that's. I mean, I I, I understand the pressure on there. Yeah. Yeah, pretty classic alcoholism. <laughs> Okay. Well, of course, alcoholism is a, a 
is a, a thing that tons and tons of people suffer from. Sure. It's very, very relatable because it's so, again, we talk about drastic consequences and it can definitely have that kind of influence on people's lives. Mm-hmm. The idea that I, I think it's very interesting, the idea that you can that using horror and, and, and working in that making a story like that as a way to work through stuff. I think that's fascinating. Yeah, I, I find myself doing it all the time, like I'll set out to write something normal and it turns into some terrible tale of fear. Do your protagonists stay the same or do they change a lot? Uh, I would say they change a lot from the beginning to the end of a story. They definitely um, either develop into f- their fuller selves or they are destroyed. In, in story to story, is your archetype for the protagonist similar? Like, um, I guess in today's drama, the protagonist is up for debate, I would say. Yeah. Um, or, you know, maybe as an anti-hero type, maybe, but that's a much deeper conversation we're going to have to get into in a little bit. Right. But I wondered if, like, if there's always a recurring character that happens in multiple stories of yours where, like, you may have this universe of things that you write through and certain characters go through different experiences and different scripts. Yeah, for me, the protagonist or the main character is almost always a woman or a young woman. Um, And they're usually searching for something to complete their lives or to make their lives better. So it's them taking control over their own lives throughout the story. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I understand where it comes from for you as as much as I know you. But, you know, those kinds of like empowerment stories are always, always a really positive thing. And uh, I would think especially in like a horror genre where they're mostly dominated by on women people <laughs> keep yeah. going yeah just stop there <laughs> I'm yeah I think it's, it's important to me to get those kind of stories out there so that women are not always put down in these types of stories because you always see like in horror movies they're objectified sure. or they're destroyed for from their own um negative traits and stuff like that so well and but it, it is nice to see when things do flip on that we just had i was just reading the that new halloween movie which brought back jamie lee curtis like it's what it, it best horror movie opening with a with a female lead there was all sorts of stats specifically as it, uh, w- with regards to women in that and i was i was thrilled to see that yeah i'm i'm really excited to see it don't spoil it for me yeah mm. no i won't mm. so <laughs> when you took this journey because you've been on a big writing journey um, dealing like with the personal and the professional realm of it. When you took that to grad school, what did your professors do with all of this, like all of this story that you were bringing to your work? Um, they, not as a rule, but most of them tried to steer me toward uh, more mainstream kind of stuff. If that makes any sense? Like meaning like non-horror or? Yeah, so like, they would tell me, like, if you ever expect to sell anything, you should get away from your paranormal, supernatural things. And um, that's huge now. Yeah. It also I, sounds I did, like not I mean, I guess advice. my stories are kind of a lot strange. They're kind of like, uh, I don't really know what to compare them to, but I guess they're just so off the wall that it was hard for them to make connections with them. Mm-hmm. Well, and maybe it sounds uh, like it was the kind of thing where you were a little older. bit ahead of the curve. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're so, mostly older men, so I can see kind of like where they're coming from, mm-hmm. from an older kind of perspective. Mm-hmm. 
But so my, my female professors were very supportive, very good. Oh, well, there you go. Good. Yeah. Different perspectives there. So that is it's a good. strange dichotomy. And you mentioned that you might be interested in moving soon. What do you, where do you think about moving to? I think I'm going to move to LA, mm-hmm. do, the, do the LA thing. Mm-hmm. So now are you, I mean, are you, you went to grad school for screenwriting. Is that what you're doing in your day to day? How is it? What, what is your day to day? My day to day now I'm working at a school as a substitute teacher. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like, I wanted to take some time off from between school and quote unquote real life to like take some time to write and work on myself. I think that is a great thing to do. I try to tell my parents all the time that we live in a gig industry. Right. And you have to make yourself available to work in your work. And if you're not, then, you know, you're not actually doing what you need to be doing. Mm-hmm. So is uh, what, do you have, is there a certain time frame when maybe you're looking to look head out and do the L.A. thing? Uh, next year. Okay. Probably like January, February. Well, let's talk about the back room here, because if, if this is sort of a, a break from what you would normally do, there's there's a lot of there's psychological lot issues in this. In this, there's a lot in within 11 pages. It's such a big whopper of thematic hugeness. You yeah. know, I gosh, first of all, this specific story, including the relationships we talk about here, where do these come from for you? Uh, so the back room is partially based on real life for me. So I had a relative who pretty much is Harold. So he was addicted to porn and it was his choice to leave the family. And we, we didn't see him for five to five to seven years, I think. And at some point he finally wanted to come back and he still couldn't um still couldn't get it together enough to be a part of the family if that makes sense mm-hmm. So just, just like the character. Yeah, I mean, how how closely are we talking here? Because in in the back room, if 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 someone's listening and they haven't read it yet, which of course you should, and you can on scriptshopshow.com slash scripts, it's Thanksgiving. Harold has he lives in this house. He's a maybe a middle to older age gentleman guy, uh, and he's got this back room that is full of pornography and he the, all the outward signs are there that he's got a some kind of addiction to pornography and his family that he apparently has been estranged from for a while his daughter her husband and their two kids are coming over for the holiday and things don't go great so um as far as real life like the whole thanksgiving meeting is basically made up but most of the characters are based on real people. The family theme plays really nicely into the idea of this being Thanksgiving, a time mm-hmm. when people get together, a time when hopes are really, really high. And I love that you set that hope so high to crush it so mm-hmm. quickly. That I thought was a really, really nice choice. I'm glad you guys like it so much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a very interesting read. Again, your writing is very tight, which I don't think I've actually said before, but it is tight and it moves quickly. Well, and I, I wrote in some of the notes that I jotted down, too. I think it, it was it was really descriptive. It was easy to picture it playing out as I was reading it. Right. And, it feel, and uh, you know, I, you brought up the fact that this is based on some actual family history. And I jotted down that it does. This, it, the story feels very specific. And it, it, it felt like it might have been coming from a real place. I wasn't sure how much of this was, uh, you know, just being made up for you or not. 
yeah, most of it, like the relationships between between Harold and the mother is a real relationship and between the two children and Harold is also a real relationship. So we're, I think we're because we're going to read a selection from the beginning, I think that might be a good tone setter to read the section that we're going to read from the top, and then we can get back to you on the way the rest of the story plays out, if that's all right. Okay, sounds good. Okay, hang on just one second. So listeners, today we're just going to be reading the first two pages from the script. Again, it's an 11-page script, and it's a very easy read. So if you want to get back into the script, you should do it online and uh, then come back to the interview and listen to everything we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So Jack's going to be doing all of the narration, the stage directions on the first two pages, and we will end with one line from the character Stacy. So Jack, whenever you are ready. All right. Fade in. Interior. The back room. Day. Dimly lit. Piled with family storage and desolate computer parts. Windows covered with foil. In the corner, a hutch desk with an ancient PC. Around it are mountains of porn DVDs, and on the walls, posters of porn stars. A few of them are signed. One of the posters is nearly life-sized, a dominatrix supervising the room's activities. A hefty man hunches toward the glowing computer screen. This is Harold, mid-60s. He wears baggy clothes, and he'd prick like a porcupine if you touched him. On the computer screen, a camera explores a porn actress still in her street clothes. Harold peers over his glasses, leans in. He unbuttons his pants. Interior kitchen, continuous. Messy counters, dingy windows. Through a doorway, Harold sits at the computer. On the stove, a pot simmers and then boils. The kitchen table is set nicely with an autumn table runner, antique gravy boat and butter dish, and five place settings. Interior, the back room, continuous. The porn actress flips up her dress. Harold leans back, puts himself back in order, and ejects the DVD. He hears the hiss of the pot spilling over and jumps up. Interior kitchen, continuous. He sees the pot and panics, turns off the burner. He checks the oven. A nearly done roasted chicken inside. Harold hears a car pull up outside. He looks out the window and sees a nice SUV in the driveway. Stacy and Mark step out of the front seats. Harold looks overjoyed to see them, and then he looks back at the chicken. He bites his lip. He closes the oven and turns the heat up nearly to 500 degrees. Doorbell dings. Harold quickly locks the door to the back room and hides the key above the doorframe. Interior, living room, day. Harold scans the room, a pair of socks on the floor. He shoves them under the couch. He pulls a basket of McDonald's toys and blocks from the corner into the open. Interior, front door, day. Harold opens the door on Stacy, early 30s, holding Kara, who's six. Beside them, Mark in his 30s and Terry, who's eight. Stacy looks tight-faced. She doesn't smile. Kara hides in Stacy's shoulder. Mark clutches a pie tight enough to dent the foil pan. Happy Thanksgiving, Dad. And scene. Mm-hmm. So that's the setup, uh, Mercedes, and uh, things go along. Um, he's reconnecting with the family. Things seem to be going pretty well. The two kids are maybe playing with each other a little more rough than they should be and playing with grandpa, maybe a little more rough than they should be, but he's, you know, sort of rolling with it because, you know, he misses his family. Yeah. This is clearly a first to see them. Clearly. This is the first time getting back together. And then because he cranked up the oven so hot, that chicken starts to burn. And dinner now is ruined. Yep. And in the course of them talking about what they want to do moving forward, the idea of somebody going to get Chinese comes up. And Her- the, the parents, both the parents go out. 
Yeah, and it was Harold's idea to say, you guys go get Chinese, I'll take care of the kids, it'll be fine. And and I'm just kind of curious about the whole, him turning up the oven, because he specifically to ruin that chicken. Can you talk about what the motivation there was? Uh, so I think his motivation is that he wants everything to be perfect. So he wanted dinner to be done at a certain time. Uh, so he cranks up the heat in a misguided attempt to make the chicken cook faster. Right. Yeah. He wasn't trying to burn it. He just didn't know. I thought he was trying to ruin things. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was. He has no idea how to cook or what to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a whole different story then. Because for me reading it, I thought he specifically did that to set up something to go wrong. And then maybe it would have given him an out just to like call the whole rest of the day if he needed to get back into the back Mm. room. I thought that was like, you know, like when you're on a date and you tell somebody to call you. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like an hour into it or a half hour into yes. it is like a rescue ring. Yep. Yeah. Well, that kind of self-sabotage uh, would totally go along with oh, character. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Gosh. Self-sabotage. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, in terms that's all of I could think of. So let's talk about porn addiction. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know too terribly much about porn addiction in the sense of addiction. Right. I know I don't really want to talk about my life <laughs> with porn because my dad listens to this show too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know... In terms of porn addiction, I don't can can you tell us a little bit more about it and maybe what some of the normal um, like offshoots of somebody having porn addiction are and how it usually can affect their family and stuff because I just don't know anything about it. Well, I don't have any statistics or anything, but I do know it's an offshoot of uh, sexual addiction. Uh, it's only that it's more self-gratification rather than seeking out other people mm-hmm. to be with. Um, and so they use porn more as a substitute for real-life relationships. Um, and so it gets to the point where they can't even handle uh, like being around their own family. Um, and tangentially, it can lead to like parents molesting their children or becoming sexual predators or children being um, like growing up to be sexual deviants and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, and in Harold's case, it's very much along the lines of a compulsion. He he's, he's aware of it. He starts getting real nervous. And so after when Stacy and Mark do go to get the Chinese food and he's taking care of the grandkids and the kids are sort of playing and taking and keeping an eye on themselves, Harold goes into the back room and starts to do what he did in the way the screen, the, the, the way the script starts. Uh, he's self-gratifying with the kids in the house and one of the kids gets hurt and it, it, it sort of catches him in a moment and... It, ru- it, it ruins everything. Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of like any other addiction in that you just feel this compulsion to to do what you're addicted to or be around it or whatever. So in that way, he just can't control himself. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, and then ultimately there is a big dramatic move at the end where, you know, the, the, the kids, quote-unquote, walk in on him. Yeah. And... Then Stacy and Mark come back, and it's a super awkward moment. They're leaving angrily, and Harold has a big dramatic moment at the end where he sets the house on fire. Uh, yeah, I love the way that he does that, too. You're so super specific about how he's lighting the house on fire, which is that he's taking a giant bucket of oil mm. and putting it on top of the stove and letting mm. that catch, um, basically catch temperature, just get hot, and then... Right. Whoosh, 
just like I just imagine this giant because I have I have dumped French fries too too fast into hot oil before uh-huh. and had that thing go whoo and so I just see this whole oil shooting up out and like boom just starting to catch the whole room on fire it's crazy cool <laughs> yeah that's like. I chose that because it's one of the top causes of kitchen fires is people letting their oil get too hot. Mm. So I just thought it's just such a normal thing, especially for like being from Oklahoma. We fry a lot of stuff. Yes. Yum. (laughs) Well, why did you choose to give him that turning moment, especially because this is a short script? You could have chosen to leave it open ended and let the metaphor just speak for whatever it is that anybody might want to think about it. But you made a very clear choice to have him take an action against what just happened. Right. What what were you trying to say for him in this part? Well, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier, how I like my protagonists to take control over their lives. So I didn't just want Harold to have to live with his failure. I wanted him to succeed in his own way. Um, and so that's why he takes this, you know, huge drastic action. The only way for him to get rid of it is to literally get rid of the house. And so well, and arson is all about like taking control over, um, over a person or a place. And mm-hmm. so it, it made sense in my head. <laughs> well, especially if he's, if he's needing a grand gesture mm-hmm. to maybe kick this off, because of course, if he burns all his porn, he's not burning the problem. It's still right. going to exist. You yeah. know, he probably needs therapy, mm-hmm. you know, so we can't imagine that this is the solution, but maybe he does need this grand gesture to like cement in his mind that he's changing this and that this is going to be different for him moving forward. True. Yeah. He wanted to, he wanted a way to show his family as well that he was willing to take that first step. Yeah. Yeah, because they come back as Harold is standing out front of his burning house and just staring at it, and he starts to like physically become more calm. He he he's satisfied that this big thing that he's done is is having the effect on it that he wanted it to. And Stacy and Mark come back up through the crowd. Dad, oh my gosh, what happened? And the last line that you have in the script is he just says, "Had to get rid of it," and he's really making a move. Uh, taking a moment to move away from this thing. And I he's making this big grand gesture, not just for himself, but also, like you said, to show his family that he wants to make a change. That's exactly it. <laughs> mm, it's nice. It's all, it all plays out there. I mean, especially since the kids walk in on him and he, he puts so much stock into being a good grandfather for them like that. That would be horrifying. Yes. Crushing. Yeah. It would be so bad. Was it important for you to tell the story from Harold's point of view as opposed to telling a story of a brother and sister that are with mom and dad and they're going to grandpa's house for the holidays and they don't know him all that well and things go really weird? Yeah, so one of the first drafts was from um, Kara's point of view, the six-year-old daughter, and it just it didn't work out the way I wanted it to. It didn't show as much of the addiction aspect it showed more of the because especially as a six-year-old protagonist she can't really understand what's actually going on and it didn't give enough insight in my opinion Mm -hmm. 
Well, I think it, it, it. I mean that 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 also changes so much of the tone. Not that the way the story is now, with with Harold being the the one that the camera is following the most, and you're getting the most backstory out of telling it from the point of view of the child. Can I think is a lot more almost horrific because you know that you're seeing it from this child's point of view, and you know inherently that this kid maybe doesn't understand what they're seeing. Mm-hmm. I I think it it lends a lot of um, humanity as well to Harold to understand the finer points of the addiction, like the point where his fingers are like twitching, mm-hmm. and he's just the how you lay it out. The he's getting nervous. He's getting nervous because he hasn't really been in the back room for a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. That. I, I can feel for that kind of pressure and that pull. And I thought it was very smart to show that during the script that he was just actually losing his nerve as the story progressed a bit more. Well, I think and then I think there's an element, too, of it, as as easy as it would be to vilify Harold for what he's doing. And in no way am I trying to take away from the fact that what he's doing with kids in the house is capital E extremely wrong. But at, we are also talking about an, an addiction. It, it, it's a sickness. And if we and if everybody agrees that that it is an illness, then on some level, on some level, Harold is just as much of a victim in this as anybody else. He's still an adult and he's still making decisions. I I can't argue with that. But he's also victim to whatever series of chemicals are firing in his brain at that point that he's built up an addiction to. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's exactly what I'm going for. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think I think it does. If nothing else, the the, the house fire part uh, definitely leads to a more dramatic ending for the movie. Instead of you know he he could just take all the the DVDs and dump them into a garbage can and trash. have a bunch of bags out front the next day. But I mean, setting the house on fire certainly is a more it's drastic. It's a more cinematic. Yes. Uh, makes for a better visual movie. Yeah, it's a lot more uh, visual than him just taking out the trash. Right. <laughs> Did you have to like do rewrites where you got to this big fire burning end, or was that something that you always knew was going to happen? Uh, it was something that I wanted to happen in the beginning. I actually wrote this uh, during a class, so like the first like five drafts or so were for the class, and the first draft had the fire in, it and everyone said, "Oh, it's too much. It's too much." But then as I kept writing, like I finally got to like this draft, which is about like draft 10 or 11. I was like, no, the fire has to come back in because there's just no other way he can entirely be rid of it. What more did you add in as the drafts went on? Mercedes, are you there? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm here. (laughs) I just, I blocked out those past drafts so I don't get confused. Oh, sure, sure. (laughs) But I, I added on like a lot more of like Kara getting hurt and Terry is the boy's name, him like hurting Harold. Mm -hmm. Um, At first they were all just playing peacefully and it was really kind of a boring scene. (laughs) And there was no real reason that the parents would trust him again. Right. Um, So there needed to be that, that catalyst for why would they ever even consider leaving the kids with Harold? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, uh, there's a there's a there's a bit of a tense a, a tense moment when he's saying, "Hey, I've got this. I will take care of the kids while you guys go get food." And he, I mean, he blows it. The, the, yeah. th- this is a, a big decision moment because you're getting the vibe from the moment that m- the family shows up to see him that there's been a history here, and this is maybe them being willing to say, "Okay, we're willing to give this another shot." And here's this moment where he's saying, yep, go ahead, go, I got this. I got this. And he blows it. Oh, boy. He blows it. (laughs) Yeah, so I added in, like, him so valiantly taking, like, being injured by him. Mm -hmm. uh, 
is like the turning point for me when the parents start to consider that he could be okay. Yeah, I can see that too, especially when you were like, I need to make these scenes more interesting. I need a catalyst for them to even trust the grandfather um, who ultimately blows it. Especially, you know, like you were saying earlier that porn addiction can lead down into children easily becoming victims of it. So parents who have a relative in their life, a father, I'm sure they've done their homework on this, and it's a big deal for them to leave the kids with grandpa Mm -hmm. who has this problem That they know about, and then they come back and they see that things have gone exactly the way they they thought they were. It's full-blown worst-case scenario. You know, honestly, it's like... I know the, you know, that fire has to be such such a big moment at the end or else why would they ever come back? Right. And yeah, it, exactly. Sorry. And I also would say that he, in order to even remotely start the process of redemption with his family, burning the house down isn't, honestly, Mercedes, that's not that unreasonable right. given the way everything else builds up. Yeah, because after you've blown it so big by, like, exposing your grandchildren to porn, what else are you going to do? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he's he's making a very grand gesture. And, and-, I, and I also just want to tie that back to the beginning where his daughter, Stacy, says, do you ever think about moving out of here? Mm-hmm. Do you want to move closer to us? And he's like, no, I've never thought about it. So he's just blown the road to redemption with his family, and he's got to come back from that by... By putting them first. And so he's burning down this house that he lives in remotely by himself. He's burning the back room with all of his paraphernalia. He's he's trying to turn a new leaf at the end, which does leave us with the story of redemption and hope again. There's an arc, yeah. Yeah. Mercedes, what is because this is sort of a, and like you called it, like maybe an offshoot from what you would normally do, what is it you would like to see done with this? Would you like to have this produced? Would you want somebody to buy this from you? What, what are your thoughts on this script specifically? Uh, I mean, I would love to have someone produce it as a short or even expanded it into a feature with more like backstory. Um, a previous draft that I believe doesn't have the fire in it was actually selected by a BU Boston university student. Um, and she did her capstone project with this script. Cool. And what did that involve? Uh, it involved a lot of changes and compromises. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was produced though, is what you're saying. Yeah. But wow. I would love to have it produced again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know much about that end of things, but I would think that, I mean, the burning house, that's a key part and that's a big, ex- I mean, that's a huge, production element to overcome right mm-hmm, yeah how did she do it when she did her capstone uh i think we left it with the the bleak ending where harold is just alone Ooh. oh wow that's a- he's left like standing alone in his driveway yeah wow. that is bleak <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah like i'm thinking about a cold fall yeah. thanksgiving mm-hmm. yeesh it was winter in boston so it's really like Ugh. just old yeah bleak is a great word for that well and if you like to have your characters go through a little more of a a change or at least an arc maybe redemption i can see maybe why you would maybe want this to be done the way it's written now where there where harold does have a a shift at the end Mm -hmm. i i was involved in that production but not like as much as i would have liked to have been Mm -hmm. have you directed before yeah i did in uh in my undergrad Mm -hmm. years do you feel comfortable with that role or do you prefer being a screenwriter as well? Uh, I like to direct, but I, I know that's not my strong suit. <clears throat> mm-hmm. 
I mean, there's a lot of beauty in collaboration. Sure. That's on one of my favorite things to talk about everything. when we have people on the show is yeah. when they've written something and if they do want to direct it or produce it or maybe play a role in it. And when you start bringing in other people and the way that that changes the story, but a lot of times it's such a cool way and it, it, it makes things... It, other people bringing their perspectives to it can really add on to something the way it starts out. Yeah, I would love to work with like maybe a, a male director this time just to get another uh, point of view on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Mm. Well, there are some stories that I think could be best told by a woman. I think there are some stories that could be best told by a man. And I, I don't know if I feel that way about the story of a guy masturbating, but if there's anyone, then mm. a dude might be the best person to tell that story. I mean, the, yeah. is that a weird thing for me to say? <laughs> in, I think it makes sense. In the vein of somebody bringing a, a, a different perspective to a project. Like I've never sure. winked off my, my penis. I don't have one. That's why, you know, uh, Mercedes, if uh, people want to, <laughs> if, if there is anybody out there who wants to get a hold of you, who's interested by what the, you've heard us talking with you about and uh, having read the script on scriptshopshow.com, what's the best way for them to do that? Email is the best way to get a hold of me. Uh, it's mercedesj at gmail.com. And I'm on Instagram as marcysue55. Awesome. And we will have those links uh, available on your page on scriptshopshow.com as well. Marcy, thank you so much. We really do appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming Talk on the show. Talk to you later. Good luck. Thanks. All right. That was Marcy. That yeah. was Mercedes. Did I say Marcy? I, I meant to say Mercedes. Uh, yeah. Well, Marcy's her Instagram. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's, 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 what where it comes, that's where it comes kicking back in. Mm-hmm. What if I was, what if one day I was just, I don't know, I introduced myself to somebody's alley. Would you take a double it, take? Every now and again, your husband refers to you as alley. Yeah. And I have to like, you know how like when some people, when they're spelling out Wednesday, they have to actually think about Wednesday. how. Yeah. When he does that, I was like, alley. Okay, right. He's talking about you. <laughs> like, I'm just not used to that. And it, it, I love it when people call me alley. Usually do people. Do you really? Yeah. Because I feel like people who have called me alley in the past are very affectionate with me, mm-hmm. and I'm all about affection. Right. I'm all about being a cat in somebody's arms. I want to just be or like... Or three dogs. Or, oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> we didn't get to hear the doggies at all. We heard a little bit of them. Yeah, okay. Well, I like dogs. Bark, bark. I like dags. I like dags. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't even... Okay, well, let's get back to just wrapping up this big, big script, which, mm-hmm. listeners, I just want to encourage you to go read this again, because um, if you haven't read it, read it, and if I guess you don't have to read it again, but why the heck not, right? There's like four big themes that she squashes Mm -hmm. in these 11 pages, and it's well done. It's got depth. It's got character development. It's got behavior. It's got relationship, and it goes. And it's got a big old fire at the end. And it's got a massive fire at the end. Too many French fries in the hot, hot, in the hot, hot oil there. Uh, if you've had too many French fries in some hot, hot oil, and you've got some burning story that you'd like to tell that you have told, and that ooh, somebody stop me, uh, and you want us to read it and maybe talk to you about it, the best way to do that would be to go onto Film Freeway and look up Script Shop, or uh, go to scriptshopshow.com/slash/submit. And if you're listening to the show, if you are a listener and you are also a writer and you would maybe like to get ahead of the backlog of scripts that we've been fortunate mm-hmm. to have had sent to us, mm-hmm. there is a secret phrase that pays to do that. You should use hashtag hot burrito bonus points if you actually are eating a hot burrito and you're just hashtagging your picture to us. And we will... <laughs> 
Put your script at the front. This evolves every time, and it's so. I love the the evolution of this bit has gotten more complicated and more like real life food delivery based. I forgot about that when we were asking people to drop off. Yeah, tell send, it send us food. <laughs> I need to stop laughing like my dad. It drives me crazy. He does that big explosive air laugh uh-huh. that's just driving me nuts right now. So I'm no more laughing for me. Oh well, okay. Well, we'll keep it very serious then. So hot burrito is the way to uh, get our attention a little bit quicker, and we'll get you on the show that much faster because we are looking for uh, any sort of work out there. Yep. If you've got it, you should send it to us. Yes, we love comedies. We love dramas. We love genre based things. We love things by men writers and women writers and. We've had a child writer on the show. Mm-hmm. That was very special and fun. So shout out to Jonah and Bat Out of Hell. Um, we love just running through the gamut of here. If it's well written, we want to read it. We want to talk to you about your work on the show. Um, if you uh, could leave us a review on iTunes, that would be much appreciated. We love getting in front of people and your reviews help us do that. Any shout outs on social media are always appreciated as well. We've talked about it before. We'll say it one more time. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Script Shop Show, Script Shop Show, Script Shop Show. And then tell That's what you want to look that up on. Say it as fast as you can. Script shop show, 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 script shop show. I don't like how you're staring at me as I'm doing it. It's weird. That's it. And I started doing woo, woo, woo. You're cheering. My mouth's getting tired. Oh, gosh. Until next week, friends. That's a wrap. Script shop was created by Allison West. Hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley. Produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.